This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is uh, nine minutes past nine o'clock. <laughs> a little bit of a, uh, a hiccup as we started the show this morning, but uh, thanks for hanging in there. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. A uh, beautiful day in the Northeast. Got a nasty weekend uh, coming this weekend. Uh, a lot of rain, Memorial Day weekend, not going to be uh, optimal here in the Northeast, but it is what it is, uh, and frankly, my garden needs the water. Um, so before we get to what went on in Major League Baseball last night, plenty of hockey last night, uh, some news in the Hartford Current this morning that yesterday lawmakers in Connecticut uh, approved legislation that is going to allow sports betting and online gambling here in the state of Connecticut. Um, I mean, look. This is not a surprise to anybody. It's the way of the world these days. Everybody's gambling. I mean, it the way gambling has exploded in this country in the last several years is remarkable. And I'm not even talking about, you know, casinos like the Indian casinos, but what has happened with sports betting? And, and I guess you can blame the fantasy world and DraftKings and you know, those kind of things that it's just gotten insane. And but you know what? It's normal in the rest of the world. I mean, England, they bet on everything forever. You know, it's like part of their culture and it's becoming part of our culture here. Is it a good thing? You know, I mean, my my gut reaction is no. But it is what it is. And people should, have, you know, if you want to go out and lose all your money, gambling, knock yourself out. I mean, I guess if you're going to gamble. It's better to do it this way than, uh, you know, b- bookies all over the country are pissed. You know, guys that, uh, you know, w- would take, uh, you know, bets uh, off the books. Now uh, it can be done legally. It's going to put a lot of, <laughs> a, lot of uh, a lot of bookies out of business. Um, you know, I, I'm not a gambling. I'm not a gambler. Look, it's one of those things where if you can't afford to lose it, don't gamble it. And uh, I've always kind of liked to keep my money. And frankly, You know, I've watched enough sports over the years to know that betting on a sporting event, you know, it's insanity, you know, in most cases. You know, it's, you you might as well, you know, just throw your money out the window. You know, and and anybody that says, oh, I'm a great gambler, I win, you know, baloney. You know, there are some people that are smarter about it than others, but, you know, I grew up in Ledger, Connecticut, where Foxwoods is now. And I have seen what it has done to that town. You know, and people can say, oh, these, these casinos are great. Well, in some cases they are, you know, well, you know, but I know this. I grew up a mile from where Foxwoods is. It was a community around a lake. You didn't have to lock your door. I mean, it was, you know, quiet. 
and uh, there was no crime. You know, the, the town didn't have to worry about that stuff. Well, after Foxwoods came in, we had homeless people in in the town. You have people doing break-ins around the uh, the lake because they, you know, they go up to Foxwoods and lose their shirts. You know, uh, so there are, you know, there are ugly sides to gambling. I'm not, look, I'm not anti-gambling. I'm just saying that, you know, we have to recognize that there are, uh, you know, some bad things to it as well. And there are undercurrents that are not the greatest. But so what it does do is it allows uh, people to go to the two casinos and place bets in their sports books. There will also be 15 retail locations that are going to be operated by the Connecticut Lottery. Uh, including larger facilities in Hartford and Bridgeport. They'll have some others, um, you know, around the state. So if you want to go, you know, place a bet, knock yourself out. I mean, I guess, you know, again, I don't want to sound like, uh, you know, Mr. Holier-than-thou. I mean, you know, it's not that I've never bet in my life. I mean, I've who who among us has not been in some kind of an NCAA pool over the years? You know, throw 10 bucks in and fill out a bracket and have a chance to win. I've been in fantasy uh, leagues where there was money involved. That's gambling. So, I mean, I get it. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not going out and betting on who's going to win Sunday's football game. And that, by the way, is when the state is hoping to have this thing up and running is for the start of the NFL season because more money is wagered in the United States on NFL football than anything. Uh, what it does prohibit, which I was relieved to hear, is you cannot bet on Connecticut college teams. So if you want to bet on UConn, you can't do it here in the state. You can't bet on, you know, Central Connecticut or Yale or Sacred Heart, not that you'd want to, but, you know, there's no betting on Connecticut colleges. I am very happy about that. Uh, Now, you can still wager on tournaments like the NCAA tournament that involves Connecticut teams, but you cannot bet on individual games uh, from the University of Connecticut. Uh, There's also going to be online betting. You know, and I just hope that there's enough safeguards in place to stop kids from doing this. You know, you have to be 21 to do it, uh, you know. And uh, so we'll see, you know, and, and, I, and I'm not going to be like my, my late father-in-law that, you know, thought that uh, everything was going to, you know, be, he used to say, uh, you know, that, that the Internet was going to be the ruination of mankind. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to go that far. But, you know, uh, we have seen that, that gambling has not always been the best here in the state of Connecticut. It has done some bad things, and now we're expanding it because the state wants the money. They think they're going to get $30 million the first fiscal year, uh, and by 2026 they estimate they'll get $83 million. Uh, now, in order for this to pass, it still has to re- uh, get approval from the uh, Federal Bureau of Indian Affairs and the U.S. Department of Interior because it involves the casinos. Uh, the uh, the Native American casino. So, you know, uh, look, you know, again, it, it is what it is. Uh, do I wish it, we didn't have it? Yeah, but it is, you know, it's 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 the way of the world, and, and I got to just uh, stop being the old guy that says get off my lawn. Um, one other story in the, uh, the Hartford Current this morning that caught my attention is Gino Ariema was talking about the transfer protocol in the NCAA. Now, if you remember, because of... Uh, well, some of it was because of the pandemic, but a lot of this is because it was what was been coming in the past where they have been holding kids back from transferring without having to sit for a year. So the NCAA approved a one-time transfer exemption. So you can transfer in Division One one time and not have to sit a year. Well, there are already a 1,000 kids in this transfer protocol for basketball. A 1,000. Okay, 
Now, there's 365 or so NCAA Division I teams in the country. And there's 1,000 kids in this, protocol, uh, this transfer portal for basketball alone. And Gino Ariema came fr- flat out and said, it's a mess. You know, and, and, you know, he said, look, the problem is, is that, you know, some of these kids are going to find themselves worse off than when they started. They may find themselves without a team. They've said, well, I don't want to play here. And now they're going to find nobody wants them. Gino said himself, he said, look, when I talk to a kid who wants to transfer, the first thing I ask them is what's wrong with you? Uh, which, uh, you know, and, you know, leave it to Gino. And, and that's one of the reasons I love this guy is he is very blunt. He said, what's wrong with you? You're at a great place. You're starting. You're playing a lot of minutes. He said, so you seem to be successful. So there's got to be something wrong with you if you want to transfer. He said, and when they answer me, if I like their answer, then I go forward. If I don't like their answer, then I tell them I'm not interested. But that's great. I mean, what's wrong with you? You know, now there are kids that think they should be playing and aren't and, and, you know, they're disgruntled and I get that. Of course, the problem is you got, you know, people in their ears saying, oh, you should be playing, you know, you should, you should be, you know, you should be starting. You know, we get that all the time. You get that in high school, you get that in little league, you know, sometimes parents and uh, are the worst. Um, he said, but you know, here's the thing. He said that the, the system itself is broken. He said, you know, kids feel like they're entitled, you know, and that, you know, and that everybody thinks that we have to do everything for these student athletes. He said, but what about the coaches that, you know, bust their ass and spend all the time to go out and recruit these kids? And, you know, and he said, you know, sometimes we recruit kids and we make mistakes. You know, and sometimes, you know, you get a kid in, you think that they're one thing and you get them in there and you realize, you know what, this guy's not as good or this gal's not as good as I thought they were. But you have then, you've already committed a scholarship to them. You can't just take it away. And he said, and he said you know, if we did, he said, if I, he said, if I say that I'm taking away your scholarship, he said, we'd get crucified. And yet, a kid can just say for no reason whatsoever, eh, I just don't want to be here anymore. I'm out of here. But it's okay for them to do that. But if a coach says, hey, you know what, you're not what we thought we were. We, you know, the coach doesn't have any recourse. So, you know, and that's true. I mean, there's no question we've, everybody's entitled, you know, this, this generation today, these kids get off my lawn. It's these kids today are feel entitled. They feel like everything should be lollipops and rainbows. I have that conversation with my daughters all the time. Now, my daughters are older than college because my daughters, uh, one of them's in her uh, early 30s, others in her late 20s, and they feel like like the world owes them something. And like when things don't go right, that they're pissed. You know, like somebody is peeing in their cornflakes, and it's somebody else's fault. It's not that that's, they don't look in the mirror sometimes and say, maybe I'm the problem. Or maybe I need to do things differently. They feel like everything should be, you know, just go their way. It's not how life works. And it's the same way in basketball. You get these kids that, you know, have people talking to them all through high school, how great they are. They go to college, and now instead of being a big fish in a small pond, you're a small fish in a big pond. And kids have trouble with that. You know, when you think about it at the Division One level, a lot of these kids on these teams were all stars on their high school teams. 
Well, guess what? Not everybody can be a star in college, and guess what? Not every high school is is equal. So some, you know, you may be a star at uh, you know X Y Z high school, but ABC high school is way better than yours, and the star from that school is going to be way better than you are. And kids don't they have trouble with that? You know, there are you know the 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 kids like uh, for instance Paige Beckers from you know the women's basketball team at UConn, you know. There are a handful of those girls in the in the country that come out of high school, and you know they're going to be stars in college. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Everybody else has to work their ass off to get there, and some of these kids don't want to work hard enough or just can't accept the fact that maybe they're just not as good as they were told they were. So, 1,000 kids, and, you know, it's only going to get worse. So, uh, all right, uh some news from uh, NFL yesterday. Adam Vinatieri has decided to retire. Uh, he's 48 years old. <laughs> and I knew he was in his 40s. I didn't realize he was 48. Um, he has been kicking in the NFL for 24 years. He is the all-time leading scorer in NFL history. Um, he is a guy that, you know, even though he played for the Colts for 14 years, only played for the Patriots for 10, I will always think of him as a Patriot. I'm sorry. I just, you know, I mean, when you think about back uh, in 2002, uh, that big field goal he hit, remember in the snowstorm against the Raiders? Uh, sent the game to overtime, and, and, the, and the Patriots uh, kept going, and then he hit a 23-yarder in overtime that sent them to the uh, AFC title game, and then three weeks later he kicks the winning field goal as time expired to beat the Rams. I remember that I was sitting in a uh, in a bar in Pittsburgh, <laughs> uh, watching that. Um, you know, it, it's uh, you know, so I'll always think of him as a Patriot. Bill Belichick yesterday said that he is the greatest kicker of all time, and no question. I mean, but forty-eight years old, God love him. So uh, he has decided that's enough's enough. You know, I. <laughs> And and it, there's no question that, uh, you know, he didn't have the distance anymore or the accuracy. It slipped a little bit. But this is a guy that was a very, very special player in the NFL. So uh, uh, great career. Um, and, uh, you know, and now everybody wonders, okay, well, that makes uh, that makes Tom Brady, I think, the oldest guy in the NFL now. Venetary, I think, had the record. Now I, now I think it's Brady. When will he be next? Uh, speaking of Brady. Uh, they announced, uh, you know, the uh, they have these uh, uh, these golf showdowns. They did it with Tiger and Phil, and well, now they're going to have another one. Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau as the uh, PGA stars. Uh, Phil Mickelson's going to team up with Brady, and Bryson DeChambeau is going to team up with Aaron Rodgers uh, for the match. It's going to be held uh, at Moonlight Basin in Montana on July sixth, and it's going to be uh, on TNT. Uh, starting at five o'clock, uh, the players are all going to have open mics, and you know, and they're going to be able to talk to the commentators and all that. Uh, remember the first one of those? Uh, uh, Mickelson did it against Tiger Woods in Vegas in 2018, uh, and then Mickelson and Brady lost to Woods and Peyton Manning in 2020. Uh, so anyway, uh, and, and a, the Bryson DeChambeau Aaron Rodgers matchup is intriguing to me. Bryson DeChambeau is probably the most hated guy in golf right now. He and he and uh, Patrick Reed are probably right up there. DeChambeau comes off as an arrogant uh, douche. <laughs> Pardon my French. And Aaron Rodgers, uh, with his uh, struggles in the NFL, and 
you know, the fact that he's got a bit of a reputation as being kind of uh, arrogant, aloof, you know, he and Bryson DeChambeau will be a great pair. Uh, so uh, that's going to take place in July. Should be interesting watching. By the way, Tom Brady, uh, immediately as soon as it was announced, uh, started trolling uh, Aaron Rodgers. He said it's going to be the two old guys, Mickelson and uh, uh, Brady, against the two young bucks, DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. So that's uh, that should be fun. Uh, you know, and DeChambeau, of course, we know hits the ball a mile. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll find out what kind of golfer Aaron Rodgers is. So, all right, uh, baseball from yesterday. And before we get to on-the-field news, some off-the-field news, Mickey Callaway was placed on uh, the exempted list by Major League Baseball yesterday. He's basically been suspended uh, through at least the end of the 2022 season. This all stems from the uh, mess that uh, happened when uh, Callaway supposedly uh, aggressively pursued several women who worked in sports media, uh, sent at least three of them some inappropriate photos, and the MLB did its own investigation and determined they did not say in the uh, the release yesterday what you know what their findings were, other than Manfred said that you know uh, they he said he said I've concluded that Mr. Callaway violated MLB's policies and that the placement on the ineligible list is warranted. So he can apply once the 22 season, 2022 season ends uh, for reinstatement. doesn't mean he'll get it, but he can apply. And, uh, of course, he is currently was on suspension from the uh, Angels as their pitching coach. As soon as this was announced yesterday, the Angels fired him. Uh, and their, uh, their assistant coach, uh, pitching coach, who had been na- named the interim, has now been given the title. So... Uh, that is uh, the end of Mickey Calloway's time with the Angels. Of course, uh, this all stems back to time when he was with Cleveland, when he was with the Mets. Uh, there were no findings uh, to find either the Mets or the Indians culpable in any of this. Uh, but Mickey Calloway's got an issue. And, and he did not, uh, uh, AP reached out to him, he did not comment. ESPN had a statement uh, that it said was from Calloway that said, I apologize to the women. Uh, to be clear, I never intended to make anyone feel this way and didn't understand these interactions, um, uh, that these interactions might violate MLB policies. He said, however, these are my own blind spots. I take responsibility for the consequences. I mean, come on. This guy was a dirtbag. This guy was, you know, this, you know, this is like I, poor women, you know. Uh, I, mean, I mean, one of the things you, you hear all the time is on, you know, on, on social media, especially on Twitter, guys, uh, you know, think that because they interact with some woman, you know, in a friendly basis on social media, that it's okay, you know, to uh, send pictures of your unit to women. I mean, are you serious? You know, I I feel badly for women. I mean, the stuff that they, I mean, honest to God, fellas, come on. You know, and Mickey Calloway was just another one of those dirt bags, and it it caught up to him. So uh, I would not, uh, I would not, if I was a betting man, to bring it back full circle, if I was a betting man, I would not bet that Mickey Calloway is going to get reinstated after the 2022 season. <laughs> That's just uh, just a guess. Uh, the Red Sox yesterday, it did not start well for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, it did end well, but God, it, did it take a long time. I didn't see the end of this game. I watched the first six innings. Uh, then the rain came, and the Red Sox were winning 7-4. to four. The Sox fell behind in this one, 3-0. It didn't look good. Hunter Renfro hit a home run in the bottom of the second to make it 3-1. Then 
Devers hit one in the fourth to tie it up, and then the Red Sox immediately gave the uh, the the run back up. So they're trailing four three after five, uh, and then the sixth inning happened, and they finally got to Drew Smiley, and uh, again it was Rafi Devers uh, with a uh, and Christian Vasquez getting it done, and uh, the Red Sox scored four in the bottom of the six. So they take the lead. Then the rains come. They had a two-hour and 53-minute rain delay for a game that started at 7.15. Two hours and 53-minute rain delay. They didn't finish this game until after 1 o'clock in the morning. This game was suspended in the 6th. I want to say it was just before 9 o'clock. They restarted this game at midnight. And, you know, I just assumed well, it was 11 o'clock. And, you know, I was, I got to get up in the morning to do the show. I, you know, I looked at Barb and I said, you know, I, you know, I don't think they're going to finish it. I'm going to bed. So I did. Woke up this morning. I'm shocked to find out they actually finished the game. Alex Cora wasn't especially happy about it. I mean, the good news for the Red Sox is they had the day off. Um, and the Braves had the day off today. And I'm sure that's why they decided to uh, keep at it. But come to find out, usually when rain delays start, it's kind of usually in the umpire's hands as to whether they're going to continue the game or not. Well, this one was taken out of the umpire's hands. Major League Baseball told them, you will play this game. Unless it's going to rain all night, you will play this game. Why? Well, it's an interleague game. You know, the both teams are in the middle, are going to be in the middle of a pennant race right up to the end. And uh, they wanted to give them the, the best opportunity to finish this game. And MLB said, you will finish it. So they had to stay. You know, Alex Cora came right out and said, this wasn't on us. The league said we had to play it. So uh, Sox came back out after the rain delay, scored a couple of more runs. Uh, Rafi Devers with a sacrifice fly. Um, so Devers, Hunter Renfro, big parts of last night, along with Christian Vasquez. Xander Bogarts went 0 for 2, but he did walk a couple of times. He scored three runs. And Nick Pavetta, Picked up his sixth win of the season. He's 6-0. and And he wasn't great yesterday. Let's be honest. Now, he struck out nine in six innings. He had great velocity. He was throwing 97, 98. But he gave up seven hits in those six innings. And I mean, they were loud hits. They were teeing off on him. Uh, ended up giving up four runs. Gave up one bomb. But, you know, he wasn't great. But he hung in there. Threw 100 pitches. Got him through six innings. And then after the rain delay, the bullpen did their job. Uh, they did end up giving him one run. Matt Andrees gave up a home run uh, in the ninth inning. They ended up having to go get Matt Barnes to finish it, even though it wasn't a safe situation. He got a double play grounder uh, when Freddie Freeman was up to end the game. But uh, Pavetta still has not lost as a member of the Red Sox. 6-0. and uh, And look, his ERA 3.86. Again, he wasn't great yesterday, but he was good enough. You know, and it's one of those where – you know, you become a, a, a big fan of the bullpen. So the Sox are off today. Uh, they will host the Miami Marlins for a three-game series this weekend. And the Braves, after a day off today, they head to New York, and they will play uh, the Mets on Friday. The Mets and the Yankees both have doubleheaders today. We'll talk about that when we come back. got to take a break. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back. Uh, to the wake-up call programming note, we will not have a show tomorrow. I am working the NCAA Division Three baseball tournament at uh, Trinity College all weekend, uh, so I will not be uh, in town tomorrow, so I cannot do my show tomorrow. So uh, we will have tomorrow off. It, I guess it will be a super long weekend, 
uh, with Memorial Day. We will return on Tuesday uh, because it looks like I'm going to probably be working baseball games all through the week, and there's a lot of rain scheduled, so there's a very good chance this tournament's going to stretch into uh, Monday the 31st. So no show tomorrow, and we'll be back on Tuesday. Uh, one of the Red Sox note, uh, Ryan Brazier threw live batting practice yesterday. They said that he will probably start a rehab assignment next week, providing there's no uh, uh, setback over the weekend. They're going to have him throw a bullpen this weekend. If all goes well there, uh, they'll get him on a rehab assignment next week. Look, you know, uh, he kind of had a bounce-back season last year, and it's the, the back end of that Red Sox bullpen outside of Matt Barnes and, you know, maybe Adam Adovino has been a crapshoot. So uh, getting him back would be huge. Uh, maybe give them one more guy they could use as that bridge uh, to Matt Barnes. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll see uh, Ryan Brazier here in the next few weeks. Uh, who you will not see for the next couple of months, the New York Yankees will be without Corey Kluber for at least two months. Uh, he hurt that pitching shoulder. And, uh, you know, look, I, you got to feel bad for the guy. Um, he, he's going for another MRI, uh, and it's they're going to do it. Uh, he's already had one, and they, they called uh, a strain in the subscapularis, and they're going to do another MRI, and they're going to inject some dye, which will show them, you know, which is, uh, f- frankly, that's got to be painful, having dye injected into your, your, uh, your shoulder. But, uh, and that will maybe uh, give them a better idea of what kind of damage is in there. Uh, they're hoping that uh, uh, it's not any worse than they think it is. Uh, they don't think that the no-hitter led to it, um, you know, because, I mean, look, he did throw, you know, over 100 pitches, do more than usual, but it wasn't like he threw 150 pitches. Uh, but they said that he felt some tightness when he was warming up for the game on Wednesday, you know, and that was one of those cases if he felt some tightness, the thing to do might have been to shut him down then before he pitched the game. But, you know, it's one of those things as a pitcher, I'm sure you're always dealing with some kind of pain, thought he could pitch through it, uh, lasted three innings, and now he is out for at least two months. So that means it's either going to be Davey Garcia or Michael King to fill that spot in the rotation. Uh, Garcia's at AAA right now, um, and he will probably start one of the games this weekend against the Tigers. Hey, look, here's the good news for the Yankees. If you gotta, if you got to bring Davey Garcia up, at least you're going to see the Tigers. You know, it's not like you, you know, you got the Dodgers coming in. Uh, and then the other news for the Yankees is Luke Voigt is going back onto the injured list uh, with a right oblique strain. Now, you know, this is a guy that, you know, has already missed a whole bunch of time earlier in the season um, when he had some uh, surgery uh, on that meniscus in the offseason. And, uh, you know, he missed, what, 12 games? 13? No, actually, I guess he missed more than that. He missed uh, he missed a bunch of time. I think he's only played in 12 games. Um, and now he's going to be out for a couple of more weeks at least. You know, and that's it, it, the Yankees just continue to have problems. Now they think they're going to get Giancarlo Stanton back this week. Uh, he's done some running. They're hoping that he might be back on the weekend. Uh, we shall see. They've already lost Aaron Hicks for the rest of the season. He's going to have surgery on his wrist. And as we know, uh, uh, Aaron Judge is a wrong step away from another trip to, to the injury. I mean, it's just one guy after another. So, I mean, the good news for the Yankees is, is uh, they've got enough pieces. They should be able to piece this together. Um, but, uh, so the Yankees were supposed to play yesterday. They're, 
doublehead their game was rained out, so they will have a doubleheader today. As will the New York Mets. I mean, it's, it's rare when both New York teams play uh, in town at the same time, but uh, they will both have doubleheaders uh, today. And, uh, you know, look, the, the Mets have the Rockies. The good news for the Mets is, is the Rockies stink on the road. Uh, but the Yankees have a couple of big ones with Toronto. And, you know, they, they're going to have their hands full, no question about that, but uh, especially without Voight. But there is a chance, you know, they they said Stanton hopefully for the weekend, but Aaron Boone did say that uh, he would, or, or didn't say, but he would not rule out the chance that Stanton perhaps plays in one of the games today. We'll have to see. Uh, but that uh, doubleheader starts this afternoon for both those teams. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays stayed in first place uh, in the American League East because uh, they beat the Kansas City Royals last night 2-1, to one, so they stay a half a game up on the Red Sox. Uh, they did it in 10 innings. Uh, Manuel, Manuel Margot with a, an RBI single in the 10th inning. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier scores the uh, winning run as the uh, the Rays beat the Royals. Hey, look, the Royals beat them the night before to snap the 11-game streak. The Royals have been pesky this year. There, it's a, That's a 500 team, and uh, they gave Tampa all they wanted. Uh, but, you know, that game last night is a microcosm for Major League Baseball this year. The two teams combined for seven hits in 10 innings but 25 strikeouts, 25 strikeouts and seven hits. It's ludicrous. And, you know, and we, we've talked about, you know, the, the league is hitting in the two thirties as a whole. That's gross, you know? Uh, and, uh, we had an instance last night in the St. Louis Cardinals, um, White Sox game. You know, everything going on in baseball right now is all geared towards pitching. You know, think about this. Pitchers are all throwing 98, 99, 100 miles an hour, right? Um, The strike zone has gotten to the point where it is much more friendly for the pitchers. They are calling a larger strike zone. You know, or they're calling the strike zone the way it was supposed to be called from the beginning, but they're getting the high strikes. You know, they're getting pitches off the corners. I mean, it's not bad enough that these guys are throwing a million miles an hour. They're getting the benefit of the doubt on a lot of calls as well. Well, the other thing that's going on, and this has been talked about a lot, is that a lot of pitchers are putting substances on their fingers. And, you know, they're coming out with, like, you know, rosin or some kind of pine tar or something on their fingers or on their caps or on their uniforms to help them get a better grip on the baseball. Well, last night in the White Sox-Cardinals game, Giovanni Gallegos came out of the bullpen in relief and Joe West came out and made Gallegos change his cap because he noticed that there was a spot on the cap that appeared to have, you know, something on it. Gallegos told West that it was sunscreen. Uh, West said, well, you know, I want you to change the hat anyway. He said, look, Joe West after the game said, look, we don't want anybody to be accused of cheating or anything because that's been going on. Well, so 
Mike Schilte, manager of the Cardinals, loses his mind, ends up getting ejected, you know, and he said, wow, you know, Gio wears the same hat all year, hats accrue dirt, hats accrue substances, hats accrue substances. Um, you know, did he have sunscreen at some point in his career to make sure he doesn't get in the mouth? Come on. I'm sure Joe West, it wasn't like, you know, three-week-old sunscreen. It was obviously wet or slick or something, and West told him to change his hat. You know, so if it's not bad enough that the pitchers are already throwing 100 miles an hour and, you know, they're getting the bigger strike zone and some of them are using these substances, it, it's happened numerous times this year. MLB says they're going to crack down on it, but they're getting, you know, to get a better grip on the baseball, to increase spin rate, yada, yada, yada. Well, the umpire tries to stop that from happening and the manager loses his mind. We've got to do something. And then to top all that off with the, with the you know, the, the speed and the strike zone and the substances, you know, and we have the shift that is happening. You know, the number of hits being taken away by the shift is ridiculous. You know, everything is geared to screw the hitter and to screw the offense. When does the offense start to get a break again? You know, look, you're not going to stop guys from throwing 100. It's not like Major League Baseball can say, hey, don't throw so hard. You know, that is what it is, you know. Uh, the strike zone is what it is. If you know, even if they had, uh, you know, the quote unquote robot umps, maybe some of these calls are still going to be strikes, especially the the up and down ones, because they're using the uh, the strike zone that's in the Major League Baseball handbook. It's the ones on the corners that are a little shaky, but you can't change any of that stuff necessarily. But you can police foreign substances, and you can police shifts. You can put in a rule where two guys have to be on either side of second base, where you can't have a guy uh, positioned right behind second base, where you can't have a guy in shallow right field when a left-handed batter's up. You know, they've got to do something. Seven hits, 25 strikeouts. That's insane. By the way, in that game where Gallegos was forced to uh, change his cap, I mean, he struck. He ended up facing uh, Jose Abreu and uh, Yermin Mercedes after that. Struck them both out. You know, so it, was, it wasn't like losing the uh, substance on the cap was the worst thing in the world for him. The Cardinals ended up winning the game 4 nothing anyway. But, you know, again, seven hits, 25 strikeouts. It's getting to a point where it's unwatchable. You know, and I like defense and I like pitching as much as the next guy. But you've got to throw some offense in there if you want to keep the casual fan or you want to draw new fans to your game. You can't have, you know, 25 strike, almost four times as many strikeouts as hits. That's just insane. 46 minutes past the hour. Take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. A few minutes left this morning before we uh, head out of here. Uh, well, the Bruins now know who they will play in the second round of the NHL playoffs. It will be the New York Islanders. Uh, the Islanders took care of the Pittsburgh Penguins yesterday, 5-3, to three, uh, clinching a home series uh, in Uniondale, New York. Uh, Brock Nelson scored twice uh, in a three-goal second period for the Islanders. Uh, Anthony Bovillier with a goal and a couple of assists. Ilya Sorokin, who was uh, great this whole series, uh, 34 saves, and uh, he had a 4-0 record with a 1-9-5 goals against average in the series. I mean, you know, and so that is what the Boston Bruins 
uh, will be facing. And the Islanders did a good job against the Bruins in the regular season, no question about it. And to, you know, as we know in hockey, it doesn't matter how good your offense is. If the other team's goalie is on a roll, then you're in trouble. And uh, Sorokin is as good as it gets right now. Um, Tuka Rask has been playing very well for the Bruins as well. So uh, it may be a very, very low-scoring series, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Look, uh, you know, on the face of it, the Bruins offensively, you know, would seem to have the edge here. Just, but, but so did, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins when they, when you've got Jeff Carter and Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby, you know, on the other side, they match up better than anybody that the Islanders had. And the fact that the Islanders won this series four games to two uh, makes me say, well, you know, maybe you know the Pasternak, Bergeron, uh, Marchand thing may not be as big a deal for the Bruins as I think it's going to be, or as I think it should be, but we'll see. Uh, another series yesterday, the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning finished off the Florida Panthers, shut them out 4-0. Andre Vasilevsky, another great uh, game, 29 saves. And, uh, you know, he's the same guy who shut out the Dallas Stars last year to win the Stanley Cup. So, uh, and now they will face the winner of the Carolina Hurricanes, Nashville Predators, and that's likely going to be Carolina. Carolina leads that series uh, three games to two. I believe game six, or uh, yeah, game six, I believe, is tonight. That should be on uh, NBCSN. So, uh, uh, but the Bruins will, uh, and the good news for the Bruins, they will have a full house at TD Garden. Uh, they had 9,000 in Long Island last night, and it was a, uh, it was a pretty, pretty loud crowd. I can only imagine what it's going to be like in Boston. Uh, with a full house. And speaking of uh, full house, uh, the uh, Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving has tried to turn his his return to Boston in the playoffs into some kind of racial thing, and that just rubs me the wrong way. Look, we all know, you know, what Bo- Boston is accused of being a racist city and that there are issues with some of that stuff in the past. I mean, look, you don't have to go any farther. You look at the, you know, you look at the Red Sox over the years. They were one of the last teams to integrate. You know, uh, they have not had a rich history of having black players on the team. There was a great discussion on Nesson um, a couple of weeks ago with Ellis Burks and Jim Rice and Mo Vaughn. And, you know, at times, you know, you know the Red Sox might have two black guys at a, at a time on the team. You know, we had Jackie Bradley Jr. and Mookie Betts you know, and that was it. And other than that, you know, there aren't a lot of black faces on the Red Sox staff, on the Red Sox roster. You know, we know that. You know, uh, there's been accusations that fans at TD Garden have yelled racial things to some visiting players. But Irving, it, look, you know, Irving is just trying to deflect here because Irving knows that he bailed on the city of Boston. He quit on the Celtics when he was here. You know, he quit on them. Just absolutely uh, just decided he didn't want to be there anymore and, you know, left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So when he gets booed when on his return to Boston, it has nothing to do with race. You know, and I saw a lot of posts yesterday on Twitter and even on Facebook and, you know, people saying, hey, look, you know, Kyrie, you know, this isn't about race. This is about you. 
This is about the kind of person you are. And frankly, you know, look what he did this year with the Nets. He took a lot of time off for quote-unquote personal reasons, and usually with no explanation. He just was gone for a week or two. You know, he, he's a free spirit. There's no question about it. He is a, a different guy. But you cannot try to turn what's going on you know, tonight into a racial thing. And he did this as a preemptive strike in the post-game press conference after game two. He said, well, hopefully this will be just about basketball and not some subtle racism thing when I go back there. I mean, come on. I find that offensive. I, mean, I hate, I hate when the first reaction somebody has is to try to play the racial card. I'm not saying racism doesn't exist because it certainly does in many places and in Boston and in Connecticut and in every city and state and county in this country. There is no question that racism exists, but not everything is about race. The game tonight with the Nets is not about race. It's about Kyrie Irving quitting on the city of Boston and quitting on the Celtics and leaving there and, and basically burning every bridge he ever built on his way out. So you have to expect to get booed. You, you, may, you know, this isn't like some guy that was traded. This is somebody who quit and couldn't get out of town fast enough. So that's what tonight is about. It is not about race. And, you know, I was offended uh, when I heard that, you know, and, and it just... And there are going to be people that that want to play up that narrative, but I hope not. I, I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't get played up too hard because that that would be a shame. Uh, a couple other quick notes before we get out of here: the Padres win again last night, as do the Dodgers. Or excuse me, not Dodgers lose. So uh, the uh, Dodgers took one on the chin. The Houston Astros took care of Trevor Bauer last night, who has been the loudest voice of uh, you know calling the Houston Astros cheaters. Well. Uh, Jose Altuve and uh, Carlos Correa took them out last night, and uh, they beat the Dodgers 5-2. to two. So the Padres, with their win now, a game and a half up on the Dodgers and uh, also a game and a half up on the San Francisco Giants, who also uh, won a game yesterday. The uh, Giants come up with uh, back-to-back home runs. Uh, it was uh, Austin Slater and Jason Vossler, who just got called up from the minor leagues, uh, and they uh, handed the Diamondbacks their 10th straight defeat. So the Padres up a game and a half over the Dodgers uh, and the Giants. Jake Cronenworth, by the way, uh, almost single-handedly won this game yesterday. Uh, they win it in 10-2-1. Cronenworth made a defensive play in the 10th inning that was ridiculous. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, hit the hell out of a ball. Cronenworth makes a diving stop, then gets up and throws out the runner at the plate trying to score from third, the guy who... You know, started out as the extra extra runner in extra innings, and uh, it was unbelievable. And then he made another play earlier in the game in the second inning. Uh, there was a, a line drive up the middle, and Cronenworth made a, a diving stop of that one as well. Uh, unbelievable. So uh, great play last night. Mark Melanson picked up his 17th save, by the way. He's 17 for 17, leads the major leagues uh, in saves this season. So. That is going to do it for us here this morning. I hope you guys all have a great weekend. As I said, I'm going to be working uh, NCAA baseball all weekend. So we'll be back after the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, let's uh, let's get out of here with some uh, Darius Rucker. It's Memorial Day weekend. This is what everybody wants. How's about some beers and sunshine? Have a great day. We'll see you on Tuesday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.